Hello friends, brothers, sisters, family. Welcome to the For Us, By Us podcast by the Black Girl Community Hub. We are seven girls from the UK and we'll be covering a range of topics from colorism to the black girl experience in hip hop and everything in between. My name is Ataja. And my name is Malaika. And we will also be joined by our special guests, Stush and Cookie from the Cookie Crew. And in today's episode, we will be discussing inspirational black women. Hi, Stush. Hi, Cookie Price. How are you two doing today? Hello. Hi, it's cold outside, but it's warm where we are now. 100%. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. It really is exciting to be around two wonderful, powerful performers who have been in the music industry from the start. Um, we are going to go through a series of questions with you today, talking about inspirational black women, as which is our topic for today. So I guess the first question that I have for you is, which black female in the rap hip hop grime scene inspired you to pursue a career in music at the start when you wanted to go? Who brought you to go into music? So Cookie can take this one first. I was just writing down some of mine, you know, because I'm going back to 1970s here. Um, who inspired us? Um, I would say, again, growing up in the early days of hip hop, our reference point was always the US because that's where our music was consumed from. Uh, we were big fans of artists like um, MC Light, um, Queen Latifah. Um, there were this other duo called Finesse and Synquest who were absolutely incredible. And I would say those three, those three would probably be our main ones at that point. And then in later years, you know, the likes of Little Kim and um, Missy Elliott. Yeah, those were our, our key ones, to be honest. I'm sure yeah. there's loads in the back, back of my head, but um, straight off the top of my head, Vanessa Sinquest, Little Kim, Salt and Pepper, Key. I agree. They are absolutely yeah. dope. <laughs> Salt and Pepper for me as well. Um, Lauren Hill, Missy definitely little kim um and then the dancehall side like i said before was tanya stevens that was my main main person wow that's actually amazing. i'm sorry so, I'm, um, sorry I, there was somebody that's really important actually which i must forget um there was this group called the us girls and there was um lisa lee Sharak, and debbie d and they was in the film beat street so if you guys ever want to look up um, an old school hip hop film called Beat Street, you'll see these girls in there. And when we saw them perform on that film, we were like blown away. And that was kind of like our main inspiration. And some years down the line, like 1988, we ended up doing, we'd done a show at the Shaw Theatre and Lisa Lee was one of the artists that came over. So that was, that was the early, early one, the Us Girls. Wow, that's amazing. So with the recent rise of social media and a lot of people having access to their role models and people who inspire them there's kind of been this notion of inspirational people not wanting to be seen as role models because there's this um pressure I guess because you're seen as like somebody that people aspire to so how would you say um role models and people who look look up to role models um can navigate this notion so how does that relationship kind of go between a role model and somebody who aspires to the role model if that makes sense it's a tough it's a it's a tough job being a role model and um, especially if you've started young in your career and then you've you've aged and you're you know you age and you age and your fans age so you start off young 
and then you're doing all the innocent things, you know, the school skirts, this, the pigtails. And then you, you grow. As you grow, your music becomes more mature. And, and as we discussed on the previous podcast, is that some people's styling, they, you know, changes. They become a bit more sexualized. And that's where the pressure starts because then the media and your fans come down on you because you're because you've grown and you've changed. It's like you're not allowed to change. So the pressure, pressure is real. It is, and it's totally unfair. But when you put yourself in a position where you kind of, where the public owns you and the mind of the public and the consumers can be a little bit warped, it's a very pressured role to, to be in. So claiming yourself as a role model, you've got to be prepared to, to follow through and almost be that person for the duration of your existence, which is, again, a lot of work. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's definitely difficult because you could say one thing in a lyric and people take that and run with it to the end of the earth. And then you do something that goes against that one day and that's you. Like, oh, but you said that you don't eat meat and there I saw you having a chicken nugget. That's you, you're finished, do you know? So it is a lot of pressure. Um, and depending on when you came out, so I came out when I was about 19 and like people want to hold you at 19 for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like you're not allowed to move. They just want you to stay there. You can see the pressure with like Britney Spears. It yeah. just, if you want to pick someone... You know, look what happened to her. That it's a lot of pressure. People saying that, and we never had to deal with social media. Like I said, when I was doing a lot of stuff, I didn't have to go on YouTube and see fifty percent of the comments saying, "Oh, look at her hair. Oh, why is she wearing that? Did you see at two minutes and twenty four seconds when her lip stretched?" It's like really. <laughs> And, and you're just sitting there reading these horrible, horrible comments one after another. It's, it's, it's difficult. Didn't have to deal with that before. So, so picking, yeah. pick, piggybacking off that comment that you just made about like the pressure because everybody's watching what you do. Um, how mm. would you say as a inspirational black woman within the hip hop and rap culture, you have kind of given yourself like a self-confidence boost. So what would you say are like the most three things you're confident at doing in your role? Um, I would, for me, I would say everything I do, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of, I'm, a, I'm self-aware in terms of how, also how I want people to perceive me. And I'm all, I would always be myself and I would always be honest and truthful in anything, I, particularly anything to do with the industry that I work with. And if I'm talking to young people, it's, Part of my my role, being a role model, is to is to educate and bring people through with with honest intentions. You know, I would never teach young people and tell them when you come into this thing and if you want to be an artist, it's going to be like this, be like that. You've got to be ready for the downfalls. You've got to be ready for the the negative sides and what to expect rather than what you're seeing on social media, the glossy side of it. You know, you can do a lot of window dressing, but when it boils down to the truth, it's yeah, it's it's you gotta you gotta make sure that you keep on top of your game. Following on from that, do you feel like in this day and age there's a lot of problems in terms of the way people present themselves as artists, the image they present to the media, and then how they are as their original self, like how they are as in their normal state when they're at home or just chilling? Do you feel like there's a conflict between that a lot? I mean, I'm not sure whether it's a bad thing because a lot of people have um you know, like Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. We all have a like alternate person. I'm I'm usually quite quiet when I'm around people, but on stage, people are like, "Wow, I didn't know you you was like that." But that's what I just find that most performers are like. They have an alter ego. So yeah, I mean, I don't know 
if it's a bad thing or a good thing that you show a different side but I know being an artist you you have a different side that you tap into yeah, you're entitled to have two lives if you're you know being an yeah. artist is your is your is your work and if you've got a a normal life at home or whatever outside of performing that's just normal if you were if you were the artist 24 7 7 days a week you wouldn't be a well person it's exhausting so, yeah it's a lot of work and, and sometimes when you think about being an artist um, from your normal life you're switching on to do a role and then you switch off you can switch on for your fans and you switch off we have to be able to do that so in that whole um switch on switch off process if you want to call it that what would you say drives you to be successful and number two how would you personally quantify your success would it be a number would it be an amount of views would it be like hitting certain kind of record deal I mean the success thing is like what you just said like what is success to you to me it's not about the views because I know that I could go online and I can pay for views if I really wanted to so that's not really being successful like I don't determine that as success but like if I've got certain personal goals that I want to achieve and I and I achieve them that's me being successful you know what I mean and not me not losing myself in in this industry that's success to me me staying true to who I am and not swaying off my path or swaying to be like anyone else that's success to me so like how do you define success it's like when Bob Marley said what is riches man said to him are you Meher say you're rich what is riches what because I've got a car and money is that what you define as success and and being rich that's not rich but it's all about a mindset I mean, what drives me is that I love doing, I love music. I love performing. I've always wanted to perform. So when things are rock bottom and I've been rock bottom before, I've had to go and find two jobs and work two jobs, survive. And then the next year I had a top 10. The passion in me is what drove me to know that, yeah, I'm doing what I love, even though, boy, times are hard. And it's like that in music. It's up and down, up and down. When it's true, when, when that thing is real, it's not like oh, I'm in music to make money or it's a side hustle. It's a real thing in me. That is what drives me and it keeps me going. Otherwise, I would have come out of this thing years ago because it's stress. <laughs> so that's and, what and, and not everybody who's rich, you know, successful and rich are happy. So exactly. Better, better be broken and, and happy, right? But um, everybody measures success differently. It could be financially, it could be just general things as long as you get through the day and you're, you're achieving what you need to achieve without um, jeopardizing your own whatever mental health and just just everything around you so yeah I think everybody measures it completely differently and just doing you gotta if you know if you feel that if you feel like you're failing in something or you didn't make it as an artist or you didn't make it as a doctor or whatever there are other things you can do so it's all about achieving and just ticking those boxes and not setting yourself goals that are completely impossible and it's that thing as well cookie it's like you said if you didn't make it as an artist and we've been having conversations like this in my circle what does it mean to make it some people think that making it is being top of the charts and then having a number one hit and then you're never seen again but then actually there's people who's got longevity in their career and they're performing 30 40 years down the line you know and they're still producing music for their fan base and to them that is success that is them making it so it all just like what we both said it just comes down to how you define success you know wow that is amazing uh, hello family for everyone who's tuning into the for us by us podcast 
we have just now been joined by the amazing Donna from the She Rockers, who has tuned in with us in this podcast today. Hello, Donna. How are you? Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It is summer. Apologies. Apologies. It's okay. We are glad to have you here. Just following on from this discussion, our topic theme is inspirational black women. So I have to ask you, who, um, which black female artist inspired you to pursue a career in music? Well, I think at the time that I started doing music, hi Cookie. Good evening. It was it was was people like Salt and Pepper, really. You know, when I saw them doing what they were doing, I thought, okay, I I could do this as well. You know, they're doing it. Um, Obviously, Shantae, um, Real Roxanne, they were around as well. But I think it was definitely really seeing Salt and Pepper, like the way they presented themselves, and you know, they danced, they rapped. The music was really, really good. And at that time, they they were the ones that I kind of looked to. Yeah, that's true. Someone Pepper will just always be I mean, we're going back a ways. And they they actually performed in London, that story. I don't know if you remember, Cookie. And um, Yes, I do, yep. <laughs> I was there with a couple of the girls that I was, you know, dabbling in this rapping thing with. And, you know, we made it backstage and I talked to them for a few minutes. But literally, as soon as I saw them on that stage, I just thought, yeah, I really want to, I want to give this a go. I mean, I liked the music at that point and was listening to it and going to a few jams and stuff. But when I saw them, I thought, yeah, I could do mm. this. Let me try this. I think that night, I think we supported them that night <clears throat> for support. That, yeah, and we went on, yeah, I think we went on before them. Yeah. I mean, they were literally starting out when you think about it. That Astoria gig. Yeah, it was like the very first UK gig. I don't know if that album was out then, but I definitely heard like a couple of their tracks. But, you know, obviously Cookies were already doing their bit and... Um, I think Cookies were the only girls at the time that were rapping that I knew. Yeah, and, and for us um, UK rappers as well, even slightly before us, there was that girl, remember Mystery MC from Family Quest, white girl? Yeah. She was awesome. She was absolutely awesome. She was the only, she was the only one at the time and she was in the group, was three guys and one girl. And she was, she was just brilliant. And we kind of thought she could do it and we can do it, like actually be on the stage because we was in the audience at that point. Wow, that's amazing. And also another question for you, Donna. What is success for you in the music industry? I, I mean, back then, my my, my goals were, were very small, actually. They were just, I want to make a record. And, and then it took me on a journey. And, and that was it. Success for me was actually getting in a studio, someone someone paying for it. Well, I thought someone else was paying for it, but ultimately I was paying for it. <laughs> and, um, you know, just getting getting in the studio and actually cutting a track and having that record in my hands and and then getting to go on stage and travel the world and support other artists and tour with other artists you know we toured with Della Soul we toured with um Keras One we did shows with Public Enemy that was success to me every little show that I did was success to me because it was just something that I really wanted to do at the time. I didn't really think about money and houses and things like that. It was really just, I want to be known as an artist. I achieved that. <laughs> wow. In that pursuit of, um, I'm going to play devil's advocate over here. In the pursuit, um, leading off what you just said, Donna, in the pursuit of wanting to produce a record, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've been following on social media. I think late last year, there has been this whole um, argument or this whole um, situation with a lot of, unfortunately, it's to say a lot of black um um a lot of black female um hip-hop and grime artists in the uk and the us signing dodgy deals um so i think they're called 360 deals um don't quote me on it but i think they're called 360 deals and in regards bringing it back to being an inspirational um black woman in the music industry um and there's a lot of our listeners that will be listening to this and thinking yeah like me too I want the house I want the car me too I want to produce well now would it be a record or an album or a single what would you say is like words of encouragement or advice or words of warning when it comes to signing deals in regards to um future ambitions I mean I think people have realized yeah with these 360 degree deals you know, they, you're basically selling off your image rights, aren't you? And your merchandising rights and, and your music rights. Um, and I think that only really works for you if you're already a big established artist, you know, and you can get top dollar for those things and you can, you know, you're out touring all the time and, you know, you're going to get those residuals. But as, you know, young artists or artists that are not very established, I mean, you do have to be, very wary of things that you sign. I mean, I know I definitely signed a contract that I didn't understand. I had an expensive lawyer, but it didn't necessarily help me get a better deal at that time, get a good deal at that time. I know people are so keen to to get a foot in the door, to get established, but you really have to get really good advice. And I would never advise anyone to put all their eggs in the one basket, personally. You know, like you know, you have your publishing and your recording deal and then your image rights. It's, I, don't, I just personally don't think it makes sense. But, you know, you've got to have a good manager and you've got to have good legal advice, really, if you're going to sign anything. Because none of us, none of us are lawyers. None of us understand contracts, really and truly, when you're a young artist. So, mm. you know, you have to get really, really good advice. Would you say, because there was a lot of controversy to do with management and a lot of people were saying, yeah, it's because you're signed to like a white manager and somebody was saying it's because you're signed to a black manager. I think Ivorian Doll had a problem with her manager over here and then Megan The Stallion and a few other people in the US had um, a problem a problem with their management. Would you say that as a black woman going into the industry, you have to look closely at stuff like that and really be nitpicky when it comes to management or is it just about the general morals and values of the company that you're signing to I think you, you have to do your research don't you and it's like a chicken and egg situation when you're a young artist you don't know who necessarily who the good managers are and the really good big managed management companies um, they don't necessarily take on people that aren't that established it's all about who you know isn't it in the music industry let's face it the wild west in it yeah sends a wild west out there and people hire their people on board their friends as their manager who are not business savvy um and they're just there for the you know for the ride and you know that's where a lot of artists had suffered where they've taken on board a manager who said they're going to do x y and z for them and they don't actually do it because they're they haven't got a clue about the inside of the business 
and you know let artists are kind of stirring away from those big 360 deals like as you said they kind of work for the bigger artists where that revenue is going to be turning over and it makes sense um, but they're staying away from signing label deals and doing distribution deals because that way they manage they manage their own business. And even in that, not all artists have the best managers or the best business sense, but they're, you know, they're getting agreements, they're getting deals. It's like, um, how do I do this? It's like, well, you're the artist. Why are you here type thing? But um, yeah, there's still, there's still a lot to learn out there. There's still a lot to learn out there and people are just not thinking. They're thinking, oh, if I get X amount of views on whatever, I'm going to get X amount of money. It's like, have you considered, you know, are you paying your taxes? Are you, are you paying your staff? There's so many elements to it that people are still learning and are still falling down. And this is in like 2020, 2021, that I'm still seeing these, these flaws in how people are actually um, conducting their business and you know, moving, maneuvering around the industry. And it's like, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's a business and it's been a long established business. And you know, we know that the gatekeepers, they're all about the bottom line, you know, they're about the dollar. So you have to be very careful when you get involved with them. That's why I think like um, some of the grime artists who have just decided to be completely independent have, have got the right idea, you know, to just keep control of the production, the distribution of their music and, you know, their image rights. There's nothing wrong with going independent. Yeah, and just pay admin fee, admin fee to the aggregators and their revenue and their royalties go all to them. But some of them still forget to pay their taxes. Yeah, I'd say definitely they have to educate themselves because you'd be surprised the amount of artists that come into this industry, put out a big tune and don't even know what PRS is. Like, they don't know how, but we're laughing, but it's it's the truth. They don't know what PRS is. They don't know what splits are. Hmm? Did you want to just quickly give the audience like a quick definition of what PRS yeah. is? I have no clue. Okay. What? It's the... I don't do music, so I, I wouldn't. Oh, sorry. And I always get confused with PPL as well and, and PRS, but PRS is the Performing Rights Society. So every okay. time your song is, it's, it's to do with your, your um, plays, your mechanical rights, it's all to do with your publishing and everything. So every time your tune gets played, you, you're meant to get a royalty for that. Okay. And depending on the split, so uh, we would say a basic split would be 50-50. So if you wrote a song and performed on it and you had a producer make the beat, it's 50-50. So they'll get 50%, you'll get 50%. And then you've got your mechanicals as well. So then you've got PPL, which I always get confused with, so I'm not going to try and explain this one, but that's another royalty as well, basically. Okay. But there's a lot of people who who don't know about this. So they need to educate themselves on that. And I'd say even above a manager, make sure you've got your, your lawyer, like, like a lawyer that you can trust because yeah, when those contracts come in and you don't understand what is being said in those contracts, that your lawyer is key for that. So there's just, yeah, certain things that artists need to know. And, I, and it comes down to that whole social media thing again. You see the glitz and the glamour and all of this stuff. Yeah, that my man over there is doing that. And then you don't even realise there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not just, yeah, I put out a tune and then two minutes later you're saying I got ripped off. And it's happened to a lot of us. I had a, uh, I got signed in a contract and I didn't get out for, for 12 years. So, you know. 
and I thought I had a good lawyer like someone said they had that you had the top of the not lawyer you was paying how much money for but the lawyer was telling me to stay in the deal when I wanted to get out you know so it's just about people you have around you as well so you have to you just got to try and be wise and stay alert would you say sorry if it's a I'm a law student but I really am interested in investing in music so I want to be a lawyer first would you say it's a good thing for me to be a lawyer and then go into art the music industry just for myself personally or someone else or would you say go into music you can do whatever you want 100% you can do it a lot of <clears throat> what do you call it CEOs and OCEFOs whatever of record labels used to be lawyers our lawyer back in the day he ended up he was the I don't know, he, he ran Polygram or something. It's like, hang on, he was just sitting in the office. Blah, blah. But you can do whatever you want. No one can tell you you can't do anything. It doesn't matter what, whether you do it that way first and that way, make sure you 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 learn as much as you can about all the, the elements and departments that are in these infrastructures. So when you step in there, you know what you're talking about. Thank you, because I was always struggling with that. Sorry. And the final question that I have for all of you is oh sorry Malika do you want to say something oh no 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 you go okay (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry the final question that I have for each and every one of you is what achievements are you most proud of in terms of your whole journey and your career and how far you've come making it here tonight how about that how about that Donna (laughs) they don't know our story Donna do they (laughs) (laughs) Donna and I see I'm well spoken we used to be rivals back in the day. I mean, proper. But the blessing of it all, do you know what? If we didn't have those moments on the scene of being the distance rivals, there was no knife drawn, there was no guns pulled. It was all about lyrics and being in the club and who's the best. And to us, to me, when I look back at it with hindsight, everything was part of us evolving and growing compared to the rivalry that's going on now and that's happening in the public domain. That's kind of scary, so... Yeah, it, dro- it just drove us on to try and make better records, to to have better lyrics and to dress better, you know, to dance better, just to be at the jams and see each other and screw each other from across the room. I mean, that that was as as intense as it got. Yeah. But um, it, it just drove me to, to even continue in the career. And I, I think I'm just most proud of the fact that I was involved in the hip hop scene at that time that was a part of it and you know that I had a contribution when people look back they mentioned the group that I was in and and that to me is just amazing you know because it's not anything that I ever thought would happen I just wanted to make a record but you know both of us are now a part of a legacy of hip-hop in this country which yeah. is amazing and I'm happy with that I think um, I think that's what's kept me going it's like I'm quite content with what what we all did what we all achieved and I think the bottom line is our passion and our loyalty to the scene and to London was was that deep for us to even to this day if I'm speaking about it whether it's on you know in this forum or you know other forums that I'm involved with it's like what keeps me ticking and what has brought me to where I am today and the job that I'm in um it's because of what I did back then so true yeah I, I always credit um you know, my time in music for really, you know, for for making me tough, but making me driven. And, you know, anything that I kind of came up against um, after that time never really fazed me. I mean, obviously it's it's difficult 
in life when you're trying to get somewhere. I'm a journalist now, an editor, showbiz editor. I did my degree after I left hip hop, after I left music, after I had my daughter. But to me, it was just another challenge in my life that I needed to overcome. Getting into the music business is hard, as you know, as you know as well. Um, so if you can actually get through a door in, in that business, plus the hip hop scene was very male dominated, you know, at times there was sexism towards um, us as females or, you know, people not really wanting to listen to you when you're talking in the studio and stuff. But, you know, you just, it's like a microcosm of life. You, you're going to face that anywhere and everywhere as a, as a woman and especially as a black woman. It definitely sets up for where we are today in our lives, I'd say, because we're still here. Yeah. How many years later? 30 plus years? 30 plus years, yeah. yeah I was yeah. 18 when I started yeah. making music. So it's a journey, guys. It's a journey. Yeah, it is a journey. And, you know, you just have to be passionate about it. If, you, if you're really passionate about it, you just take one step and then you take another step and you take another step. It's really just about pushing forward um, in the area that you want to go forth in, whether it's uh, law and then into the music industry or as an artist or as a producer, as an engineer, whatever, you know, if that's what you want to do. You know, I definitely was just like laser focused when I, when I was younger. I just really wanted to do this music. Anybody that I met, I would talk to about it. If I was, you know, it was really funny at that time because a lot of the artists were coming to London, but they would go to the same clubs that we would go to. So we'd go to a club and we'd see Run DMC one week. You know, you'd bump into the Beastie Boys, you'd bump into LL Cool J, and you would just, you know, if you saw them, you'd just be like, oh, I really want to rap. You know, you'd literally just bug them and yeah. talk to them because wow. I was so into that thing. It was exciting. It was a very exciting time. Wow. I hate to be that person, um, but I think it's time that we should wrap up the podcast once again. Thank you, Cookie. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Stush, for participating and giving us such insightful information I think will be very valuable to not just myself, but the listening audience. So just to conclude, this amazing interview has now come to an end. Once again, it's been a pleasure speaking to all of you. Please make sure you tune in next week to episode three, where we'll be discussing the next topic. And if you found today's episode interesting, invite your friends to listen to the next one. Send them the link. So don't forget to share and subscribe. Find us on social media. And if you're going to tweet about us, make sure you put the hashtag. Hashtag for us, by us, P-O-D. My name's Malaika. And my name's Lataja. And you've been listening to the For Us, By Us podcast. Bye.